Hi, I'm Annie Fitzsimmons. I'm your Washington Realtors Legal Hotline lawyer. And this is another video in the series entitled Perspectives in a Transitioning Market. And this is the second video with Caitlin Jackson. And Caitlin, ja Caitlin, go ahead, just in case they didn't watch the first video with you in it. They've seen Shelly and me already. Uh, tell us who you are. My name is Caitlin Jackson. I'm an attorney with Dimension Law Group, and I practice landlord-tenant law in the state of Washington. And I'm also a uh, board member of the Rental Housing Association of Washington. Excellent. So, Shelly, I think you had a question you wanted to ask Caitlin. So, in this transitioning market, yes, in this transitioning market, as as and Annie, I may need your help on on some of the verbiage here, but as as the seller is wanting to um, bring in a tenant, mm -hmm. um, maybe because they're like, I just want to ride out this market and then I'm, I'll sell later. So I, I'm just going to bring in a tenant for two, three years maybe. What does that look like? Well, if this person is not an experienced property manager or they don't, they haven't been a landlord recently, um, this experience is going to look significantly different uh, from where it would have looked five years ago or three, even three years ago. Um, for one, I would tell that person before they make that decision to make sure that they understand whether or not they have the time, the resources in time and the resources even financially to invest themselves in, in really educating themselves on what is required of them. Uh, to be a property manager, even if it's their own property, and a landlord in the state of Washington. Um, if they do not have the maybe time resources, which is what I you know, have conversations with uh, some of my potential, and potential, uh, potential clients and clients about, is whether or not they have the financial resources to engage in a very experienced property manager. And in particular, a property manager that has active properties in the area that that property is located in, because each, all the laws are now almost different, and almost by city now. And you want to make sure that your property manager knows that and stays on top of those things too. So that makes me nervous and concerning. Um, if somebody is just, I just have one house and I want to do it myself, or I just have two, or something like that. It, you really need the right people around you, and so a competent property manager, um, an attorney, so that as things are changing within your rental, you have somebody advising you properly. And sounds like our 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 laws have been changing, and and every time we have case law or somebody says something, it seems to be changing how how it's looking. T to me, this is very concerning. Like, I, I think the days of managing your property yourself are gone. So let me, let me give you a specific example or question, Caitlin. If that, if that landlord, because I agree with Shelley that the landlord-tenant laws today are not the same as they were for somebody who says, oh, I might have done this before. Um, even qualifying the tenant. Compare the documents that a landlord is allowed to consider for qualifying a tenant, a potential tenant applicant today versus two or three years ago. Oh, well, once again, you're going to have to get down into even the cities making their own requirements for what you're allowed to ask for and not allowed to ask for. I mean, um, I think that 
if you take city of Seattle, for example, and many cities are starting to mirror this, you can't do criminal background checks on tenants. And, and if you put anything like that in your advertisement, like must pass a criminal background check, um, you're gonna get yourself in hot water. Um, now cities and even the state, I think are requiring, um, you have a, if you have a requirement for a social security number, you now can't make that a hard and fast requirement. You have to offer them other ways or other ways to prove you know, their identity or prove a, cr a credit history or, or something of the sort. And I believe that there are a few cities um, that are considering getting rid of minimum uh, credit score requirements mm -hmm. as well. So knowing how even on the front end, things are changing at the local level, right, where the property is located once again, at the county level and at the state level almost I mean, all the time, you, you as a single family home property owner, property manager, are going to have to spend so much of your personal time trying to keep up on these things. And if you slip up one little bit, you are now exposed to huge amounts of liability. From, from huge uh, potential liability from a person who never even occupied the property. Yeah, they absolutely. They an applicant. Absolutely. Yep, right. just an applicant. Um, here's an easy one for you. I don't want to rent to somebody who's Section 8 because I'm afraid that the house, that the, that the government might require some modifications to my house that I don't think I want to or can make. Can I choose not to rent to them? No. <laughs> um, yeah, that's state law uh, at this point, which is you cannot limit the type of person that applies based on the source of their income. Okay. So the same seller who said, I just want to ride out the market and rent it for a year or two, their tenant stops paying rent. Right. Um, so what the state law is requiring right now is that before a case can even be filed or before um, a 14-day notice, uh, sorry, before a summons and complaint for unlawful detainer um, can based even be served. Based on the tenant's failure yeah, to based pay on, rent. Uh, based on this specific reason can even be served. Uh, the landlord must go through uh, or at least offer to go through a um, mediation with that tenant to mediate their um, past due rent. In addition, the landlord must also offer what is a statutory reasonable repayment plan. Now that reasonable repayment plan, the general outline is whatever's out whatever's out outstanding. Let's say hypothetically it's six months worth of rent and let's say rent is um, $1,800 a month. Um, essentially, you have to offer them whatever that balance is in mass. One-third of the payments for that payment plan can no, be no more than one-third of one month's rent without late fees, no interest for however long it takes for that tenant to make, uh, to make those payments in full. Um, and so that, that is one of the steps that you have to go through first. So, so just taking one snippet out of what you just said, even if a tenant is late in their rent payment, if a, if a landlord is intending to evict them, the landlord cannot assess late payment fees as part of the recovery. Correct. Um, as a matter of fact, state law back in 20, I think it was changed in 2021 with respect to this particular issue, but a landlord can no longer for any reason include late fees as the basis of a 14-day notice to pay rent or vacate. 
you also can't include them on a 10-day notice to comply with the lease agreement or vacate. Your real only remedy as a landlord for late fees that have accrued is small claims court. Just um, sue this. Just sue the tenant. Just sue the tenant, but you can't you can't evict them based on late fees. So, um, what you have is just base rent as it has accrued. Um, but going back to what that process looks like, in most counties in the state, you have to you know offer the reasonable repayment plan, give the tenant 14 days to either accept you know counter reject. Then you offer the ER, the eviction resolution pilot program mediation documents so that then, then the tenant has to accept or communicate with the local dispute resolution center whether they don't want to mediate. And if they do want to mediate, you'll go through a mediation with them. The mediations, the last one that I was engaged in, took three hours. Um, just And it came to no conclusion. Um, the, the tenant in that scenario didn't have an offer of any sort of resolution that they wanted to agree to or propose. And so you just went through this you know, process. At the end of the mediation, the uh, mediators are then you know, tasked with completing and providing to the landlord a certificate of compliance. That's your ticket to court if you want to serve the summons and complaint. But there's no timeline for them to have to produce that document. Many certificates are months and months backlogged, and the, and the landlord cannot do anything about it until they have that certificate. So I've got cases where all the steps were followed. The landlord did everything that was required, and the dispute resolution center is non-responsive, and it's been since January. It's August now, and there's nothing that that landlord can do but wait until the dispute resolution center decides to issue that certificate to give that landlord permission to even avail themselves of the court process. So if you're going to be a landlord and you know and you work and let's say you're doing that because you're saying to yourself, hey, I don't want to sell my property because I think right now I'm going to take an X amount of dollar loss on the sale price. So instead I'm going to become a landlord. You may not come out in the in the um, in the positive if, if, you, if you take that risk, because if you get a tenant that isn't gonna pay and you're in a county where the dispute resolution center, even if you do anything right, everything right, is not issuing certificates of compliance, you could end up just as far behind financially, if not more, and you don't have possession of your property at the same time. Um, so uh, these, the risk analysis uh, is, you be very, very, very careful. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, what I heard is talk to an attorney who um, practices landlord-tenant law. And, and talk to a property manager. If, if, if a landlord, seriously, if a landlord, if a seller doesn't have landlord, current landlord experience, and you are thinking about getting a tenant, do not do it without either having your property management lawyer or property management company assisting you. That is correct. And brokers, that's that's the advice that you need. Remember, your your duty under the agency law is to advise your client to seek the advice of an expert in areas that exceed the scope of your expertise. Do not help a seller transition into becoming a landlord unless you are a property manager and you know what you're doing. So then, real quickly, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but um, also in this market, I expect 
that if the if we transition enough into a kind of a flat market or e, or even any kind of a downward market we are going to hear from sellers who say i want to put uh the, the buyer the, i have a buyer who wants to buy but they want to purchase on a lease option they need some time to make to save up their down payment or their closing costs and so i i'm just going to lease the house to them on a lease option so i'm going to short circuit this conversation a little bit by saying that seller takes all of the burden that Caitlin just described because they are a, a landlord under the landlord tenant law. Correct. And you cannot contract your way around it. In fact, you get in big trouble if you try to. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the worst thing you can do is try to contract around it. So you get all of the risk that Caitlin just described. And I would say that selling with an option, you get zero benefit seller because all that an option contract does, think about what a con an option contract is. It locks the seller into the terms of agreement that have been negotiated, giving buyer the choice of whether buyer ultimately wants to move forward with that purchase agreement or not. Because if the market does turn downward, buyer's not gonna pay the purchase price that you negotiated six months prior because they're gonna go buy something else for less money. And seller, if the property, if the market goes upward and it turns out your property's worth more than what you negotiated for today, then you're stuck because the buyer now has this option to purchase your property at the terms negotiated six months previously. There is no upside considering, there's no upside for the seller considering the risk they take by becoming a landlord. So again, if, if you're a broker and your seller says, I'm thinking about a lease option because I'm getting a little frustrated with my efforts to sell, broker or seller go directly to a real estate lawyer, hopefully a real estate lawyer who knows something about property management law or about landlord tenant law. Um, I cannot advise you on this. All I know is that there is enormous risk and you need to seek the advice of somebody who knows what they're talking about. Right. Any other thoughts, ladies? My last thought would be, and this is more of a correction of what I said earlier, is there are very, very, very limited circumstances where you can contract around the 5918, RCW 5918, which is the Landlord-Tenant Act, in terms of landlord duties and tenant duties under the Act. Um, and so when I say there's no way to contract around it, it's slightly, slightly wrong, but it is a very, very difficult process. Um, and I will say that the, the tenant themselves generally has to be represented by their own separate counsel. So the chances of that being, um, you know, part of the process are really rare. Really rare. Okay. Shelly, anything else? I'm just so grateful, Caitlin, <laughs> and, and all that she shared because there is so much <clears throat> that us as brokers would never know or think about. And this is just one avenue we, we don't touch. We don't even start. Yeah. yeah. In the beginning of the last video, when I welcomed Caitlin back to the studio, for those of you who, who have didn't see the first time Caitlin came to Washington Realtors uh, videos, it's been not quite a year, but Caitlin came and gave a help, helped uh, discuss the conversation around buyers giving sellers post-closing possession, because at the time that was rampant in our market. If you missed that video, I encourage you to go back and watch it.
Caitlin was in rare form uh, <laughs> for that video, highlighting some of the risks imposed by the revisions to the Landlord-Tenant Act. So if you have any questions on this topic or any other, visit warealtor.org, click on the link for the legal hotline, and ask me a question. Thank you for being a Washington Realtors member.